Hi, welcome to Get In, the connected vehicle podcast from BlackBerry. I'm your host, Steve Kovsky, and in this series, we'll be diving into what the future of transportation just might look like. Today, we're joined by somebody who has some opinions on that and I think some insights that you'll be interested in hearing. James, would you introduce yourself? Hi, I'm James Morris. I'm the editor of a UK electric vehicle site called Witch EV, and I'm also a sustainability writer for Forbes. All right. And a learned professor of journalism in his home country. That's uh, true, too. Many, many accolades. James, tell us a little bit about Witch EV and why you started it and what its purpose is. Well, I mean, maybe I should delve a little bit into my background. I'm a technology journalist by uh, by trade. I've been doing that for a couple of decades. And um, I've also been a massive petrol head and car enthusiast since I was a kid. And so in um, which EV was launched in 2019, and I was asked to uh, join in 2020. And I, I really jumped to the opportunity because it really electric vehicles brought together these two things in my life, you know, that my love of cars and my uh, professional background and interest in technology. So, um, you know, they, they kind of encapsulate the kind of the confluence of these two trends. That makes a lot of sense. And what kind of uh, reaction and, and following have you been getting with Witch EV? Well, Witch EV has grown incredibly fast. And I think, you know, it was launched kind of with the intention of grabbing this opportunity. Because if you uh, think back to 2019, you know, this was, you know, the the, the Tesla Model 3 launched in 2018 in America and 2019 in the UK. And it was just starting to build a head of steam. Um, and every, ever since then, we've seen, uh, particularly in the UK where, where I am, um, quarterly growth every single um, every single month. But there's been an increase in the number of electric vehicles sold. So um, our site has been grown exponentially. You know, we have um, um, over a million readers now a, a month, which is um, um no, it certainly wasn't that when I started a couple two years ago. Well, and uh, for those who are listening, you should follow James and his articles on Forbes if you don't already, and it will keep you abreast of what's happening with electric vehicles and with transportation writ large. James, one of the things that that uh, as you know, we like to ask our guests on this show is what was their first experience? And so for you, what was your first experience behind the wheel of an automobile? Well, my first car was something called a Vauxhall Chevette, which I don't imagine you even have any experience of in um, in America. I don't even think I could spell it, to tell you the truth. <laughs> well, you know, Vauxhall was the, um, the the General Motors brand equivalent to Opel in um, in uh, continental Europe, and the Chevette was a um, a what you probably call a subcompact in in America. The version I had was the saloon version, four doors, um, and um, it you know it, it it was a kind of it was called a special. So it has a metallic paint, it had a sports steering wheel, it had a short gear stick, um, but it barely had any kind of technology beyond that. I probably um, certainly wouldn't have had anything like ABS or power. wouldn't have needed power steering. Uh, it was actually before cars in that era started becoming front wheel drive. It was still rear wheel drive. Um, I actually installed the radio myself and fitted speakers in ice cream cartons in the uh, on on the back shelf of the car. So that was kind of um, really getting into customization and um, and kind of bringing technology into the car. Uh, you know, now things have really changed in that respect. Well, you were a pioneer, and and that now now I, re, I I do recall the Chevette. It was the Vauxhall name that that threw me a little bit. Um, uh, it sounds like this was a pretty swanky car, but I don't re, I don't recall the Chevette being considered really a power car. 
No, it wasn't very powerful. I think it was. Um, uh, I mean, I'm not sure what this is in in the cubic inches that you like to talk about in in um, in America, but it was uh, it was a 1.4 liter. Uh, it felt it felt fast. I could have a lot of fun with it. Uh, you know, I learned to drive when I was in in high school, um, and because um, we you know we learned to drive a little bit later. And um, um, I think it's 16, isn't it? You can learn to drive in America. It's it's um, it's uh, 17 in the UK. So I but I I learned quickly because I wanted to be able to go out with my friends and take this car out and go, go around and, um, and, and enjoy myself. Um, and you know, it was, uh, it, we had a lot of fun, me, me and my friends, it was all about kind of the, the social experience and what it enabled in terms of freedom for, um, for, for my social group. We've had a lot of people on this show that I, I think are car people and, um, maybe not many who've driven as many, electric and connected vehicles as you have. So what is your experience? uh, Because you're frequently reviewing cars. What have you found in the current generation of cars that that uh, that excites you or that makes you a little reminiscent of the old Chevette? I mean, the things that really excite me about um, about electric cars, apart from, you know, the performance, I mean, that's kind of one of the, the, the I remember the first time I drove an electric vehicle it was actually over ten years ago. I drove a Nissan Leaf in 2011 at a uh, car event, and I'd, I'd shown up in uh, in this. I used to own, own a Porsche, and I turned up in that for this event. Um, and this Nissan Leaf, at the kind of low city speeds, felt as quick, possibly even quicker than my Porsche. And that kind of um, that, that that kind of blew my mind in terms of this what this technology could deliver but also like the kind of science fiction element of it and the um the high tech it had this kind of joystick that you'd use for selecting drive um it was you know it it was beyond the kind of um automatic gear stick that people are familiar with um and it also had connected features that's kind of that you know even back then in 2011 there was an app that you could use and you could set the um the air conditioning remotely and you could monitor the state of charge and this was something that i found very exciting because no petrol car that I knew of at that time um, had those kinds of uh, those kinds of functions um, available to them, um, and you know, being able to do things like um, I had obviously started to um, experience things like sat navs and um, uh, you know th- those kind of connected things, but being able to kind of integrate that with the car, so you could actually potentially see where the car was as well, was um, um, remotely was a very exciting concept at that time. So you you've always had an eye on the future of automotive and what do you see in the cars today that that uh you didn't foresee before that 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 you find uh exciting and inspiring i mean it's to do with the kind of the way they are gadgets i mean you know i talked about how you know i came to to um my current role as a writing about electric vehicles through a love of technology but you know looking at um you know and again i i know this is kind of the background of your company blackberry as well the smartphone you know the smartphone has this kind of expandable device it's kind of a um which where it became kind of the heir of the personal computer to a certain extent maybe even the kind of the the um the mass volume version of the a personal computer um you know if you probably remember in the early 90s you know it's very exciting to have this general purpose device that you can install all different kinds of software you know you could write your documents on it but you could also watch movies on it you could edit movies on it that was the thing that that really excited me and now you know the smartphone was a little bit like that by having apps that could do all kinds of different things and now the car can be all kinds of different things as well um but i think that the um the way they're connected and the way they they have this ability to um um to to improve your experience you know it, 
one of the things that I really, um, I'm now a Tesla owner, and one of the things that I really enjoy is, um, uh, is the autopilot aspect of that. You know, the um, traffic is getting worse and worse and worse. Um, you know, we constantly get stuck in, 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 in jams, in gridlock, um, you know, all these zones where, they, where they, they actually track the average speed that you're doing and being able to set your car to basically do most of the driving in those kinds of really boring environments is it really kind of, I actually almost look forward to those sections, whereas previously it was like, this is going to be terrible. I'm going to absolutely hate this 20 mile section where they have a, a 50 mile an hour uh, average speed zone. Um, now I'm kind of, well, I'll just set my car in autopilot and just, um, and just, um, just, you know, obviously you have to still pay attention and jog the wheel um, in a Tesla, but uh, keep your hands on the wheel, on the steering wheel. Um, but you know, you don't really have to. Um, you can relax um, and let the car do most of the work, and that's something I think is. Um, you know, th- it's this is only the beginning of it as well, because you know, their you know, full self driving is in city streets is being piloted in um, America with with Teslas. You know, there are Chinese companies who've got t- robo taxis in um, um, in a number of um, Chinese cities, Beijing, Shanghai, I believe, have got those. Um, um, and you know, this is going to be this is going to really transform um, the way that we um, experience uh, transportation. I think that's really interesting, James. That we may have reached a point where people, even if it's just you, if that anybody would look forward to traffic, is really I think revolutionary, and uh, and this could change the driving experience maybe as much as anything um, if we start to look forward to those parts of driving that are tedious and uh parking is another one that i think uh you know one of the one of the lower levels of of autonomy is the is the ability for a car to park itself i would be perfectly happy never having to park a car again uh just to leave that to the automobile so i think i think there's there is some some reason for uh rejoicing perhaps even excitement one of the things that that uh you bring james is through which EV and through, I'm sure, the um, feedback that you get to your Forbes articles, you are very close to the consumer decision of which EV to buy. That is the premise of your website. So what are people gravitating towards right now? What are the features and even the brands that that seem to stand out? So I think I think people are looking for for two kinds of things, actually, you know, we're still in an early adopter phase for electric vehicles. So a lot of people are looking for the kind of great gadget, the new thing. But we're also seeing people who, who, for whom maybe some of the kind of more avant-garde features of of, um, of the tea company are a bit too far for them. They still want to have, you know, discrete buttons for, you know, my personal bugbear with, uh, with, with my car is the fact that it's very hard to change the speed of the windscreen wipers because they've taken that no- perfectly normal stalk off of um, the, the Tesla that I own. So, um, you know, ha- so you have people who want to have that as well. So now I think people are really excited about seeing a brand that they they enjoy already. You know, maybe they're a, they're a long time lover of BMW. Maybe they're an Audi fan. Maybe they've always had good experiences with um, with Volkswagen. So that you know, they're they're um 
you know, they're really glad to see that now there's an electric version of their favorite car. You know, Mercedes is coming out with um, with some great uh, new platforms as well, although they're still very much in the expensive, high luxury area. And we're also seeing some some great new kind of electric only brands from companies like um, Ionic, from, which is Hyundai's um, um, standalone electric vehicle brand. Kia hasn't bothered to uh, spin off a specific electric brand, but they have um, um, a, a range uh, with EV in them that they're um, they're spinning off. And you know, there's then there's um, you know, Cupra is, for example, the um, the performance wing of Seat, and they're they're looking to be more electrified as well. So you know, it's it's great to see that these companies are, you know, they're almost making electric the um, the kind of uh, the premium end of their of their branding now as well uh which i i guess is um you know the market is still a premium one for electric vehicles for the time being anyway well it, just driving is is seems to be a premium uh, uh price function these days and and particularly if you've got a still a combustion engine as many of us do there are also some very interesting things that are happening with concept cars and some of the things that have been shown in the last one to two years are a little bit mind-blowing for those of us who learned to drive in a previous generation can you talk about some of these these new developments i'm just going to throw one out the ability to change the color of your car uh, electrically and and uh, you know some of some of these things really are quite revolutionary what has caught your eye well i presume you're with that one you're talking about something that bmw uh talks about but you know going back to what i was saying um a couple of questions ago about actually enjoying traffic jams now you know that that actually shows the um the kind of two types of driving because you know i think um um there are people out there who uh, who think that you know we're going to go to car sharing entirely. We're just going to have autonomous vehicles. Nobody's going to own a car anymore. But that seems to forget the fact that some people really enjoy driving. You know, I've certainly you know listening back to some of your previous podcasts. You know, there there's um, been a, a great um, consensus I think amongst the people you've interviewed that driving is an enjoyable experience and people have got a lot of pleasure out of it. But what what's um what's really great is um is being able to recognize that there are these kind of two modes you know i think um you know then another um concept that i think caught both our eyes was the the audi grand sphere which is this um this grand tourer vehicle that actually can change shape depending on your driving style it can be long when you're in, when in autonomous mode, and it becomes more of a lounge experience and has a kind of um, um, a, a really amazing panoramic sunroof, so you can kind of lie back and just look at the stars if you want to while you're driving, or you can have it shorten, give it a shorter wheelbase, and then it becomes more of a driving experience. And you know, even in kind of extended mode, the steering wheel disappears entirely. You know, so it's kind of recognizing that that these um, you know. The way people travel, you know, there are different modes, but also there could be different modes within a journey, you know, so so I, I think that's very exciting, you know, realizing not kind of saying we're all going to switch to basically a kind of personalized version of public transport. Um, but, you know, we might want to do that occasionally, you know, if, if we're going to be on a highway, I know what American highways can be like, um, or a country like Australia that has interminable hundreds of miles of, um, of empty roads, you're probably going to want to kick back and let the vehicle 
do that for you. Whereas, you know, if you, if you get a nice twisty road, um, you know, to the south of, of, of England where I am, you know, there's some fantastic, um, or, you know, up in Scotland or, or Wales, lovely twisty uh, um, A-class roads, you know, being able to enjoy those still um, is, uh, you know, having that ability. So I think concepts that kind of allow that to, um, um, uh, both those factors in one package are very exciting. It really is taking personalization of the vehicle to a new level, isn't it? If if the vehicle actually can change some of its physical characteristics to suit your your mood and your your disposition and um, and the roadway, these things are exciting. I think also some of the discussions that that we've had along the way in this podcast about uh, shared modes of or, or or mixed modes of transportation. So, so you may be taking a journey that involves driving a train, a plane. Uh, in one case, um, uh, we had a gentleman who had to jump out of his Uber and grab a scooter in order to make it to the venue in Stockholm where he's about to deliver a keynote. And uh, that's a movie to me. That's that's a, a, a really interesting way of looking at how we get from point A to point B. We've also um, talked to other guests about uh, how some of the premium brands are looking at that and how can they provide that consistency of luxury for people who can afford it and who value that, um, where maybe you get off your plane in another city and uh, the car that's waiting for you is the same model as the one that that you left at the car park in at home. These are some things that that are exciting. Um, one of the things we talk about a lot is connectivity and uh, what is occurring with vehicles, being able to talk to other vehicles, infrastructure, um, uh, being able to communicate with your vehicle, even when you're not in it, what are some of the trends that you're seeing or, and some of the, the features today that you think are capturing people's attention? You know, I've talked about in, um, in uh, one of my articles before was about there being kind of two, these two parallel revolutions going on at the same time. You know, there's the electric vehicle and there's a connected vehicle, but they are very much interconnected because uh, you know, one of the things is with them, um, with electric vehicles, they, you know, and certainly looking at the manufacturers who are prevailing, um, in the initial stages, at least, they are companies that come from more of a software background. And I know you've talked about this in some previous podcasts, the concept of the software-defined vehicle, you know, and how this started off with things like the entertainment system and then the connected sat nav, but now it's permeating the whole car. You know, and this is this is the problem that, you know, if the um, kind of the newcomers to this industry uh who will come from a software background, they're kind of in their wheelhouse for that, for that kind of thing. Whereas if you if your company has 100 years of experience producing fantastic brakes, wheels, uh, internal combustion engines, you know, you're not necessarily you bought in all this software in the past. And so so what you really need is something to, to kind of let, let, allow you to leapfrog into the, the software era, you need to be able to bring all these systems that you've um, that you've got uh, together, and to be able to get them to talk to each other, so you can deliver those software experiences. You know, I mentioned connected sat navs. You know, that was the first thing that that really excited me about about connectivity. The idea, first of all, that your car, uh, you know, wasn't it wasn't an in car; it was actually a separate device. You know, but it knew where you were and and what road you were probably on. And then it had these live traffic abilities, so it was um, able to, you know, 
first of all kind of um um detect uh you know the the, the traffic situation and then you know e- even use that historically to kind of give you a much more accurate um idea of how long it would take you because you know there's a there's a limit and there's how fast you can drive on a road and it's great you know the, the only way you can know how fast you can drive on a road is by measuring what how fast people have traditionally driven on that road and that's what that that was added in and now you're kind of getting all these things like the ability to uh you know tell you where the next fuel station is whether you'll reach it in time maybe you should stop at this one that's a bit closer you know with electric cars doing things like preconditioning your battery temperature so that it's ready to be charged at the fastest possible speed when you get there you know you know there's potentially things like you know reserving you a parking space you know you talked about a self-parking car so maybe you know the the car in advance can um book you a parking space so all you have to do is is stop at the entrance of the parking lot and let the car park itself and then when you come back it's you know like the valley experience at an airport you know these these are they're not quite there yet they're starting to be there are some cars manufacturers are giving you some features that that are a little bit like that but they're not quite at that level yet but you know for for um everyday manufacturers to um to deliver that who who haven't had that that's that software background they need a a, um, a a platform that enables them to kind of bring all those features of their cars together um which is why i think what what you guys are doing at blackberry with um with ivory uh, ivory um with ivy um and uh, qnx is 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 very exciting because you know we want a um a a a world full of competition where all these great historical brands are still producing really competitive vehicles that have you know the the style and heritage that they have but also have these great software features at the same time so james i think you're in a position to offer advice and i'd like to ask you to to give us some advice for automakers but first what's your advice for consumers well i would say um do do your research uh, you know particularly with electric vehicles you need to actually know what's um the real situation with your with your vehicle i've just written an article for which ev about um kind of hints and tips for for charging and one of the things is you know we you, you use the epa um uh test for your range of electric vehicles we use something called wltp which replaced something called nedc which is what they use still use in china none of these tests are very accurate about how far your vehicle will go and so you know the first thing is to actually get to know the the characteristics you know there's also things about um um you know the uh knowing being aware of the fact that, that you know there is a variance in electric range, for example, in different different conditions, um, but also kind of getting to know the, the, the lifestyle change with electric vehicles as well, which is um, that you you there's a bit more planning at the moment, at least there's more planning involved and thinking about you know how far you're going to be able to go um, and kind of making sure you have a few options of where to stop and and charge. Um, so you know, whereas you know our, our traditional um, strategy with um you know petrol cars or, or you know gasoline cars as you say in america is um is you know just oh look it's hitting the red where's the nearest gas station you know so you know that, that having that kind of it's not necessarily a bad thing though because you know the um um you know the it, it i mean a, a parallel thing that's happening with electric vehicles is these kind of new styles of stops where there's all these kind of extra facilities involved um you know and cars that have things you can do 
that are fun, like games and, and media while your vehicle is. Um, so actually, again, like looking forward to traffic jam, you can enjoy looking forward to, um, you know, that charging situation. In the, uh, in the hopes that some folks in the auto industry are listening as well, what would you advise them uh, as, they're, as they're trying to address this, this growing consumer demand? What should they focus on? Well, I think I think they need to think about their cars as being, you know, not kind of fixed points when they come out of the um, um, the factory. You know, fortunately, there's quite a few manufacturers are providing over the air software updates now. Volkswagen, Wagga does, um, you know, I think Volvo, um, Stroke Polestar does. Obviously, the the, the T company's been doing that for a while, and you know, this this is um this is actually something that consumers are going to expect, and so you need to be able to deliver. You need to be able to deliver something that that improves because you know people are used to um the, the the mobile phone smartphone experience of of having this device but two years later it's got a new operating system it's got more different set of apps in there and so being able to have this kind of expanding ability you know being able to have kind of bolt-ons as well i mean one of the things i noticed was that um Volkswagen, for example, um, allows you to rent that. This is, I, th- I think, it's just become legal in America, but in the in Europe, this, they have this thing called matrix um, LED lighting, which is a phenomenal um, technology that actually, ha- where the headlight is a kind of array of LEDs, and it just shuts down the ones that are going to blind the oncoming car and leaves the others on. So the kind of the oncoming car goes through a curtain of darkness as it goes past you. Um, but you still see as much of the road as possible. But you can rent that for um, for the winter period, uh, for example, rather than having to buy it outright. You know, having these, um, or you know, maybe you could you could rent certain um, other connected services. You know, like um, um, you know, maybe um, a a toll experience when you're traveling across uh, continental Europe with a, with a British car and vice versa. So I think you know, really concentrating on the the software side and making sure that 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 is flexible and you know makes your car a a, a living thing so that you you know um pe- people can you know you buy a car for three to five years which is longer than a phone it needs to but you don't want to have to f- have feeling that that you're that it's really outmoded within a year's time because it's not um got all the new bells and whistles of the the same car being produced now so um Keep it flexible, I guess, is the, to sum that up. Excellent, excellent advice and great insights. James, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you very much. Well, that's the end of our episode for today. But if you'd like to get more information on the topics or our guest, check out blackberry.com slash podcast. Get in the Connected Vehicle Podcast from BlackBerry is available wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget to subscribe to keep up to date with our latest episodes.